0: the show and entertainment mavens carl we have a special super duper deluxe edition today because we are previewing the muni season 103 that is finally gonna happen i'm excited about
1: that i really want to be there and i'm gonna be there and so are you we'll start off our show with our special guest kofi coleman from the muni then around minute 28 we'll talk Old by M. Night Shyamalan. Around minute 38, we'll have another special guest, Tim Reichhauer, who has a film in the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. And then around minute 55, Lynn will tell us about Val, the Val Kilmer documentary. Around one hour and four minutes, Midnight in the Switchgrass. Around one hour and 10 minutes, Joe Bell. And then one hour and 17 minutes, What's Coming Up Next Week?
0: Yes, I am so excited. And we have Kofi Coleman, who is going to be the man, uh, the... Okay, so Kofi, your title right now is managing director, correct? That's right, yes. And then in January, you are become the big kahuna.
2: <laughs> yeah, they won't let me put that on
0: a business card, so
2: <laughs> we're going to go with president and CEO, but yeah, that starts out January 1st, that's correct.
0: So when you finally found out the season was going to happen with no restrictions, how <laughs> relieved were you?
2: Um, you know, I think relieved. Sure. Uh, I can't put a number on it, but I was very excited. I think the, the relief will really honestly set in when we get to uh, when that opening night has has really come to life and there are people in the house. That's when relief will start. And the relief will really fully set in um, once we get through the season. I'm excited for sure. We're all thrilled. We're happy to be back. We're happy to have the community back to bring the stage back to life. You know, there's some, you know, there's still some unknowns. we want to make sure everybody stays healthy and everything is, is safe and great. So I'll, full, I'll feel full relief at the close of the season, but right now it's pure excitement and elation. Well, I hear there are new trees. There are, there are. Um, so let's see, 2019 was the last time everybody was here and we had just finished the stage renovation, not finished, but we were to a point in the stage renovation to have a season, but the, the, the architectural shells and some of the finishes on the stage weren't there and the, and the, the trees weren't in. So those trees came in in this uh, extended intermission we've just experienced along with finishing the stage. So we got four new trees on stage and, and the canopy that's a really an iconic part of what the Muni is, is, is is coming back. So I think that's one of the things people will see right away and, and notice as a, as a difference since the last time we were here. Well, it's
0: going to be such a welcome feeling and uh, Mike will get get to talk, Mike Isaacson, the artistic director and executive producer, and he always welcomes everybody, but this is going to be extra special because it's been 700 days. Is that correct?
2: Um, Yeah, I think it's been. Almost two years, so just about yeah, seven hundred days are, are, and change since we since we've been on this stage. So it's been a it has been a, a journey to say the least. So I think yeah, when when that when those lights go on, we have that first that that hear that downbeat. It's good. It's going to be a magical moment.
0: Well, I know the season is going to it's starting later because in my memories, shows are always popping up of the last couple of years. And I don't know about you, but Carl. Um, You probably feel the same way as that you don't know what you're missing till it's gone, Mm -hmm. till that summer tradition is no longer there. Then you really appreciate it. But last year you guys did a remarkable job with the Zoom with the Muni summer variety hour, which I just look so forward to. And I know people made it an event, still not the same, but some of the people that we missed for so long are returning this season, which is exciting. And Smokey Joe's Cafe is opening night, and it's exciting on several levels. But one of the things is it's a St. Louis premiere.
2: That's right. That's right. So we haven't had Smokey Joe's. It has not been done here. We, we've obviously that would mean we've obviously never done it at the Muni. But I, I actually just sat through the the rehearsal, one of the, the designer run was what we call it yesterday. And it, it moves. I can't even tell you how many different numbers are in it, but it's a lot of great music. Uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, toe tappers to say the least. You're going to be the, drumming out the beat with your hand and then having a good time the, the whole time through the show. And there's some magnificent talent in that show, um, uh, that, that cast can really sing and perform. And, and like you said, it's, it's, for that season opener to be happening now, after so such a layoff and so much time away, it's really great to be coming back with something that is upbeat and lifts your spirits, uh, and just reminds us the value of being a community and being together. Now, also, it's going to be a different. It's going to be
1: a different field. Originally, they were you're going to be uh, doing everything staggered, but now it's going to be a full open. And there are gonna be some different changes like the Culver Pavilion, which I used to go to every opening night. That is not opening up this year. Um, are there gonna be other things that are gonna be phased in or stuff we're gonna to have to wait until next year to see?
2: Um, I mean, we're the, the highest on the wait until next year list in truth is uh, uh, Sweeney Todd and Mary Poppins. Right? Those, those <laughs> are the other two shows that were slated through the schedule. So those two will wait until next year. As far as your, the experience here, night to night, um, you know, like you said, you mentioned Culver Pavilion, just making some adjustments on the food and beverage side continuously as we've all been trying to figure out the health landscape. We, we decided pretty early that it made sense to just put that one on hold for a year while we figure out how to safely get back to theater and not also figure out how to run a restaurant at the same time. But <laughs> rest assured, uh, come season 2022, the Culver Pavilion will be back, and we've made some other steps just to get the, the process moving faster with entry on the security lines, and and um, we've moved to um, uh, cashless transactions for the concession stands, very similar to what you'll see at the ball the ball stadium. So all those are just things to reduce touch and, and keep things moving. But you know, as far as waiting till next year, like I said, we've got those two shows. And, and there's a lot of technology that came with the the update the rebuilding of the stage and you've seen some of that employed in 2019 with the the traps and the trap doors and the pit lifts and the tracking on stage, I think the video screens. Video screens absolutely and and you'll see more and more and greater and greater use of that uh, as we go along and, and we just get even more comfortable into uh, with, with introducing all those things into the vocabulary of what we do but. Um, what I can say is I think every year carries its surprises. Uh, every year, it's important to have some of those only at the meeting moments that when you sit in the audience and say, okay, well, this couldn't happen anywhere else. And and I I, I know our production team is, is certainly making those a part of this year as well.
0: And you have two uh, twin towers basically bracketing each side, and they're going to be, they are now going to be more when you were talking about technology, they're going to be used more because they're finished, correct?
2: That's right. So they're finished. So the 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 shells that kind of even out the look and the, the spacing of it. Uh, or actually, the spacing just just the look it makes it look very balanced and beautiful. Those are on there, uh, and those can also be be lit from the top of the theater to kind of augment the, the the experience of being here. So yeah, when you sit in the audience now and you're looking at that stage, it it it's complete. It feels it is brand new, but it still has that same feel of what the community always uh, always been as a as a central part of this community. So it, you know, I sat out in the audience and just just myself, my myself during a, a sound check yesterday, and even then, it just feels like home.
1: It does, and you know, I was I filmed something there for keep live alive this year, so I I am one of the few people that have seen uh, the community and not that not only that, but one of the few people that's have seen. The stage without anything on it. When I just saw the trees, first of all, the trees being back are fantastic. But just seeing it, seeing the stage again, made me very happy. And it's it, and it's not summer until you go see a Muni show for some people.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that, Carl. We uh, so we opened Smoky Tales on Monday, but the cast for Sound of Music arrived today, and one of the leads from Sound of Music. I was standing backstage as she came in and rounded the corner and just looked up at the stage and, uh, you know, and tears welled up in her eyes and said, you know, it just feels great to be back and to see it all and and to be around friends and family and friends that feel like family, you know, it's it's a unique feeling and Lynn, you touched on it before too. You don't even realize what you have until you don't have it, until you miss it. Um, And so to see, you know, from our our crews, painters, stagehands, you name it, actors, musicians, set design, office staff, We've all been apart for a long time and before we were apart we did this together for a long time. so so returning to that is a unique feeling for us but you know I think the greatest part of the culmination of that is, is to have an audience back in that theater um, enjoying what's happening on stage and that's going to be Monday's going to be a special night, no question.
0: Oh yeah. 11,000 people applauding somebody I know uh, who has been in several Muni productions. He said, it's a wave. It's a wave of applause and a wave of laughter because there are 11,000 seats. Carl and I are blessed because we get to, you know, sit closer, but we have, I have sat in the free seats, you know, in, in my youth. And then when my grandma took me to the Muni back in the, 60s, you know, I sat in C and B, you know, way, uh, way higher up, but I would be so enthralled with those little binoculars and get to see the actors in their makeup. I mean, it's just such a wonderful experience for, for every, for all ages. And you are going to have such a varied season. The Smoky Joe's Cafe, which I've seen before, uh, just twice, It has the music of Mike Stoller and what is the guy's name? The Lieber. Lieber
2: Lieber and Stoller.
0: Stoller. Yeah, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. And they wrote Stand By Me among many of the iconic songs of the 50s and 60s. So even if you've never heard of these people, you are just going to be familiar with this music. 100%.
2: Percent, uh, you know, I I wasn't wildly familiar with Leiber and Stoller myself, but there were very few songs that I heard during the rehearsal that I that I, I couldn't hum or sing along to. And I think that that piece of familiarity is also an important part um, of, of what makes a show or a production or anything here important. Uh, the, the the venue feels familiar, feels like home. Being around your friends and family feels comfortable, but also seeing something that that on stage that um, triggers a little feeling of nostalgia sometimes is important as well. and This is one of those opportunities. We balance our seasons to give some nostalgia, to give some, uh, to make you think, to make you feel, uh, to, to ex, ex, uh, expose you to some new stuff. But it's also important, like I said, to, to have that feeling of nostalgia and in no time more than right now, uh, there's some balance or some, some evenness feel feel <laughs> necessary in our lives. Like seven brides for seven
1: brothers, that is very nostalgic. And even though you did that show ten years ago,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, sure, it's it's one, it's it's a classic. There, you know, when people think about musical theater uh, and the history of the canon in this country, it's one of those, uh, it's it's one of those shows. Sound of Music is one that has that, this it kind of has that same feeling. But then you have On Your Feet, and On Your Feet is is just a remarkably exciting show. I had the, I had the opportunity to see to attend the opening. Uh, on Broadway, and I remember sitting in the audience, thinking, "This is something that has to happen on our stage." Now, I, I'll admit to you, it was a twofold feeling: fantastic show, excellent energy, great music, great story. Also, my parents are are huge fans of Gloria and Emilio's <laughs> soundtrack to my childhood, so you know, for personal feeling, I wanted to see the songs I heard growing up uh, live on stage as well. But, but no, I think that that's one that whenever you have an opportunity to do a show that we haven't done, that's relatively or very much a new show to uh, to make it familiar to our audiences, is important. So usually
1: around mid-season, you give out something to people that comes to the show and you, you ask them, hey, what shows would you like to see next year? Yeah. So next year is gonna be a little different because you're gonna have two carryover shows. Are you still going to have an audience questionnaire?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because we have the two carryover, but we still have the other five. Um, other and and, and, it, it and those also, aren't set yet. No, not not yet. And it's important to you know. Look, we always want to know what people want to see. You know, it's it's important. It informs the the, the upcoming year. It, it informs the subsequent years as well. You know, so it, it it's important to to have that. Other and it's, it's a part of who we are. I, you know, it's it's important for the community to know that what they want to see is important. Uh, or as a, as a part of our decision-making process. So yeah, we'll 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 survey. We're gonna we're gonna have the the shows on there, and, and uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird year. But what's a what's a weird season after the weirdest year of our of our lives, or one of the weirdest? So, uh,
0: oh. Yeah, and also, uh, well, I fill it out every year, and I would, every year before Mike came, I would always put Into the Woods on, and then Mike finally brought it, so I was like, okay, but uh, he said one time uh, when he was introducing the season that Chicago was the number one requested show on the survey and so his first year he finally brought it which was 2012 and now it's returning as the finale show and the great dennis jones who whose choreography consistently is nominated and has won the st louis theater circle award and who's bit worked on Broadway, he's gonna helm that. So I am so excited to see this what they what they do with Chicago this time around.
2: Yeah, Chicago's always wildly popular here. We did it in 2012, you're right, but it stays high in the survey. And like you said, Dennis is a fantastic director. Um and you know when you have the setting we have uh, you know that that stage and 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 you have someone like Dennis at the helm of it you're right what what you can dream up and how you can make that show exciting is uh, you, i don't want to say it's limitless but we we appreciate the the resources and availability we have to to do that so chicago you're right is is, is definitely one that I, I look forward to as well and, and it's one that like you know when when you get the opportunity to do one of those top survey shows you really feel like you're, you're answering the bell for the for the audience in, in a unique way. So I think uh, that that's going to be a fun, exciting one. It's kind of wasn't uh, like a contemporary classic in some way. So uh, yeah, it's a it's going to be a that, it, it's going to be a great way to also end the season. I, I like the bookends that we have of the season. Um, it, it feels like the the right mix for the Munich.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to be really, oh, it's going to be a nice flow. I think since Sound of Music hasn't been here so long, and it's cons- it's, just, it's been, pre- I think, presented at least uh, maybe 10 times at the, I meeting. if you go back through the archives, which yes. I like to do, and for so many weeks, and Kate Rockwell, who you spoke of as Maria, she was, she was Jane in Tarzan, and she also the beauty in The Beauty and the Beast, Belle. And so I'm really happy to see her back. And there's so many returning people, even people that are in small roles that are just familiar to the Muni. It's just gonna be, like you said, a welcome home. One of the points I wanted to make about Smokey Joe is when, when Mike introduces the season, he gives a little backstory. And he had said, and this is before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, he had said that uh, he showed a slide of a place in Gaslight Square called Smokey (laughs) Joe's. And so he said it was going to be set in Gaslight Square. And Carl and I are two, are not old enough to remember how a big of a Hipster place Gaslight Square was in St. Louis in the 50s and 60s. It was in basically the central West End, all Olive and Boyle was bracket, and the Gaslight Theater, which William Ross renovated, is part of that old Gaslight Square. So, Marsha Milgram Dodge, who's directing Smokey Joe's Cafe, talked about. How they are having parts of that in this show? So tell us about Gaslight Square.
2: So the the I don't want to give too much away, but uh, in rehearsal even yesterday, there were, what do they call them when they put them in in, in movies? Easter eggs like a yeah. lot of there are yes. a lot of St. Louis uh, references and specifically Gaslight Square references in that in that production. When Marsha direct Marsha directed one when he when uh, in in. Chicago and set it in a in a setting there in, in a city, in a, one of the communities there in Chicago. So same here, You know, there are plenty of references to, I I, I keep wanting to list some of them, but I don't want to give give them away for people that haven't seen them, but it is very much set in Gaslight Square. As soon as you see the set, as soon as you see a lot of the details on the show, you'll know exactly where you are. Even if you don't uh, remember all the way back to those days, it's very familiar to this community, to St. Louis. And it's a show that lends itself about to that because ultimately it's about, it's, it's about a neighborhood and a community of people. Uh, who are celebrating and coming together through music. So that's 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 really what it is. But the, you know, one of the unintended benefits, I guess, of this time away is that you have a really long time in this past off season to, to do some deep research. And the details they found, like the fact that there's a Smokey Joe's, or some of the other details you'll see in the show, um, came up with. a lot of great work from research from from Marcia and her team and and the and the production team here to, to make it that setting feel realistic and and authentically of that time, but also of of this place.
0: Well, I'm so looking forward to this because uh, traditionally the Muni does big, you know, big, 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 and this isn't necessarily a big show, but I want to see the interpretation on the Muni stage.
2: Big songs. Big songs. You you got it though. Big big songs. And, And I think that, um, you know, we've also got the mini teens who are always, uh, you know, fantastic performers, really talented young folks that, that really can, can help fill a space and, and fill an idea as well. Well, I also want to say, if you're, this is audio,
1: and so people are listening to this, go back to the website, and you can see that none of us coordinated this, but Lynn, myself, and Kofi all have pink shirts on today for no reason at all.
3: Not I, I noticed
2: that when when Lynn got on, but I was like, maybe I won't say it. But but
1: no, do, it, it, it it had, had nothing happened. to do with anything. I just grabbed this shirt. You know, I get up at three o'clock in the morning, so I grabbed this shirt randomly, and so I was the trendsetter, and you guys follow.
0: Oh wow! Well, I put it on because it matched my uh, capris, the my floral capris, <laughs> huh. which you can't see. But uh, Kofi, it's always a delight to talk to you, and I can't wait to see you standing there with Denny Regan, That doesn't make my Muni night till I see you and Denny greeting oh. everybody, and uh, you're there at the end too. You don't,
2: yeah, no, no. We're, we're look, we're
1: we're there with the audience. If you're watching it, we're watching it, and you're you're talking to people the whole time. I, I, I always want to come up and say hi, but you're always talking to somebody. I'm you're talking- never alone. And come, usually come I'll just hi. give you a hello and a and a wink and a hi, but you, you are there, you're there at the beginning, you're there at intermission, and you're there at the end. We sometimes putting out
2: fires. Sometimes, sometimes small fires, but the key is, you know, I, I think it's important for, for folks to also know everyone in this company is, is is accessible, you know, whatever is happening, we, we want to experience the same thing the audience is experiencing on, on a night. Absolutely. That's the best way to to take care of people and make sure that that we're putting our best foot forward. So, and those are our friends, you know, like that that the the all the work and whatever happens behind the scenes or in these offices is to is to make that moment happen out there for folks. And so it's it, well, we enjoy the opportunity to, to participate in that way. So, Definitely stop by and say hi. Never. There may be people standing there, but I always have time for some friends. So so please do so.
1: Now and then for people that don't know, that is it's house right. It's the east side. Yep. So they, it's always in that corner, the opposite of the American flag.
2: So That's right. we're house right, lower right hand, right near what they call gate one. Come on in. wave we'll and say hi. We're happy to happy to chat. We'd welcome you back. And
0: even if it's 105, you and Denny are in snappy blazers.
2: Uh, you know, if it gets north of 100, we try to just go button down, so we'll see, but but uh, with those fans, it helps, so we'll, we we do our do our best to look our best. Those
0: fans are incredible. Thanks I was thinking
2: our- of the last time I saw Seven uh-huh.
0: Rides, Seven Brothers, and I sat there in just such misery.
1: <laughs> no, no, see, when I was growing up as a kid, my grandmother, we'd take the Southampton bus and we sit in the free seats, and there is every other year I still see one show in the free seats just to have that experience. Cause actually it's a lot different from when I was a kid because you have to bring stuff, but it's still, it's still magical. And so, and that's when back then you had to turn the fans off during the show because right. they were too low.
2: No, this is different. You're, you're very right. Um, it's good to have the opportunity to watch the show from different places. Too. It is. So yeah, I encourage everyone to do that uh, as well. But definitely stop by and see me. Come yeah. say hi. Um, and
0: what's your favorite tradition? Is there a specific thing you always do opening night?
2: Opening night, hope and pray. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not a wildly superstitious person. No, all jokes aside, I think opening night and every night, we just hope we hope do the best, best case scenario for people to enjoy it. Um, you know, it's been this would be my twenty. Third, 24th, something like that. 23rd opening night. So um, you know, I, I just try to enjoy the moment. I I think if there's anything I do regularly, it's try to take a moment stop and just take a look and what what everyone's enjoying and see all the faces coming in and look at a, a true cross-section of the community doing something together. That that's what's important to me.
1: Now we've been asking all of our guests what they've been doing for the last 18 months. I know you've been pushing off and getting shows and doing all these things. But what media, it can be plays, it can be TV shows, it could be a movie. What have you seen in the last 18 months while we were all trapped inside that you want to recommend to people? It can be something like just whatever, or a book. Because some of our last uh, three guests um, have
2: said books. Let's see, I mostly I have been watching a lot of TV and movies. I would say while I was at home, like everyone else, I watched. Gosh, I mean, I watched the whole Jack Ryan series. Uh, the, oh, on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. That you know, if I was gonna recommend that, I, I highly enjoyed those. If I if I was gonna go with go with one thing, I'd say Good. you 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 can immerse yourself fully in those. Now, did you watch the Michael B. Jordan side
1: project of that? oh uh, wait without well without cause without uh, without remorse that was it without remorse yeah yeah also great yeah. Oh, yeah but it was weird that those they're both on amazon yeah but and they're both in the same universe but they're totally separate i i, I wanted them to connect a little bit
2: yeah it was good though it was good i enjoyed watching those for sure I, that's a good that's another one add that to my list
0: well, there is uh, so many wonderful things at the Jimmy Awards, which uh, just uh, happened on Broadway after a year away, all, usually features immunity Teens in it. But this year, because nobody produced any theater in St. Louis high schools uh, last year, we did not have anybody. There were a couple of Kansas City kids. But that's always, you guys, to me, are just... With the, If you know any Muni kids or teens, what they do in the future because of that Muni experience is invaluable. So that's another thing to pay attention to those Jimmy Awards. Yeah, coming back. Yeah. So well, thank you
1: for being on with us. We know you're busy and we know it's the last time and people are probably asking you for things that you say, why didn't you ask me this a week ago? Or <laughs> besides the day before opening
2: night. Sure, I mean, that's part of the job.
0: Yes. And uh, I I know we can't see them, but you have new dressing rooms, you have new offices, and you have new costume shop, correct?
2: It's all brand new, yeah. Which is
0: so exciting, and I bet that just boosts everybody.
2: Yeah, well, I think they'll enjoy it once they get into them.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we will see you in what, three
2: days? We'll see you in just a couple. Thank you. All right, y'all take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks, Kofi.
1: Bye. All right, so Lynn, we have to talk. We have about time to talk maybe one or two movies. Should we talk about the one we saw together in an actual theater, or should we talk about your favorite one, which is a documentary?
0: Let's talk about the one we saw together in the theater, which okay. was... Old.
1: Old. M. Night Shyamalan. My wife and daughter hated it. They just hated it. It got my daughter so excited to talk about it because there were so many things that she found wrong about it. I thought it was fine.
0: I was wanting to really embrace it because I love this concept. It's a high concept of 11 people thrown together in a secluded part of an island a tropical resort and things start happening uh which involves rapid aging they don't explain much and there are huge weird consistencies for instance people are as tensions escalate people are cut hmm And then it closes up on some people, but some people are fatally wounded. So what is the deal? Why is it so random and arbitrary about these things that happen? If you go in the cave, you, your head hurts, but not everybody goes in the cave and they don't explain that. So the whole movie, I am trying to figure out what's really going on. And it's very unsatisfying in terms of the resolution. And they use those, you know, those love boat tropes where they throw people together. And we have trouble in paradise. We have marriages on the rocks. We have a very blatantly racist subplot which annoying and then you have people that you want to know more about but they do focus on the teenagers and all of a sudden the little kids at six and eleven are teenagers who have matured sexually although they're pretty ignorant about how a baby comes to happen but uh this no because
1: they've, they've heard things from their older siblings you have to do that 10
0: times <laughs> but um so and then the kids keep changing but the parents don't really change that much there's well few- I, I do
1: like there are there are subtle things uh, Rufus Sewell he plays one of the characters on there uh and his hair is very slightly turning gray every scene. It's, it, I thought that was something. So there are very subtle things and there are also uh, social commentary in this movie. But as my daughter said, the best thing about this movie is the last 15 minutes. And the last 15 minutes of the movie, once you get to the twist, if they would have given, and I told, I told them this when I critiqued it, if they would have given us clues, like the sixth sense, once you see the sixth sense, you can see what it's building towards, and if you watch it on a second time, you can see what it's leading to. Unbreakable, the same way. Signs—they're more subtle clues, but this movie, you—they don't give you any information where you
0: could play along. They- no. Yeah, this is M. Night Shyamalan, and he is known for his patented gimmicks, twist. His, his twist near the end. So does this twist work for you? It didn't work for me. Well, once, it- you
1: what, once you find out the reason why they are there, the tw- that, that, that's not the twist though. The twist is not why they are there. The twist is how they are put there. And that, which I guess is a why, the reasoning behind them all being there and I think that worked for me, and because it's very social commentary, it's very now, and it's very. I this movie could be politicized right away.
0: Oh yeah, the pandemic paranoia, right? Because, uh, but it, I, it's not usually M. Night Shyamalan uh, does write his own scripts. However, this is based, based. on a graphic novel by a Belgian and an Italian, and that would be Frederick Peters and it would be Pierre, Pierre Oscar o- Levy. And so it's from a graphic novel called Sandcastle. Now the older kids are uh Alex Wolf who's big rising star and he is in the Fabulous Pig and then Thomasine McKenzie who we have enjoyed in several films. Yes. She and then of course they age out and they turn into older Adults, But I found, even though I like Gail Garcia Bernal, and Vicky Creeps was in uh, the Phantom Thread, that's where we first saw her, mm-hmm. and she was us there. I don't think they have much chemistry, do you? No, they don't and so that they are the they are the mom and dad that are at the center of this film but the characters you you get little dollops of backstory and the doctor whose name is charles played by rufus sewell if this was survivor he would be voted off the island first
1: and because ken Long from he lost not- he's great
0: Yes, he plays a nurse. Yeah, you'll find out their careers, which is all kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but Gail Garcia-Bernal's character is an actuary for an insurance company. Yes, so he's a stats dude. And then, uh, but uh, okay, so so Rufus Sewell's character is really obnoxious and off-putting, and he is married to Eye Candy. Uh, crystal played by abby lee and she is obsessed with her looks and she has a calcium deficiency which will come into play later but it's bizarre yes. some of the death some of the deaths because this is like agatha christie's and then there were none well, well my wife right. my wife thought it was too stabby yeah and it is uh, you know that all these people in this remote location, uh, it's going to be one by one. And so some of the deaths are very gruesome. And the editor uh, lingers on some of the more impleas- unpleasant, ones. And then some bizarre things happen to bodies like one body disintegrates in what, half hour? Yeah. And then no, other- they say
1: they say three hours.
0: Well, you know, Which and would then- be.
1: Uh, well, it does. There are a lot of
0: inconsistencies. Well, right. Well, like the rapper Mid-Size Sedan played by Aaron Pierre. Who I thought is, that that's a great name for a rapper. It is. Who is in uh, the Amazon series Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, his nose bleeds. And well, the, it's unexplainable. They don't explain it. Well, they, they he. there is one throwaway
1: line where he talks about um, MS. He just he talks about MS, and that is part of the thing. So, yeah, but he doesn't have it. His girlfriend had it, and she's not his girlfriend either. It, it's they were both. There are many inconsistencies and things that don't matter. I wish you. I wish this was more fun, but I do think it's worth it if you sit and wait to the last 15 minutes, because that, I think the payoff is worth it.
0: Yeah, well, I just thought it was half-baked, and I wanted it to be fully baked, <laughs> and I, it's got a good cast. I just, it just... I don't know, and I think the music is overwrought, and I think that the cinematography, of course, you're dealing with a tropical paradise, you're dealing with a luxury resort. The kids, the the young boy, that Trent, that is uh, initially six years old, he is an old soul, and he's mm-hmm. very, and he lectures his parents with hilarious life lessons. Well, that he's, are, he's played by four different people in the movie. Uh, right. Nolan
1: River, uh, luco festino rodriguez alex wolf the, that we already talked about and Eamon elliot he plays him for the least amount of time
0: so uh bottom line was i was disappointed i wanted i expected more i think Shyamalan because ever since six Sense, he's everybody's been waiting for him to deliver another masterpiece and while i liked signs I liked Unbreakable. I'm one of the few people that liked The Village. I also liked uh, his Return, The Visit, mm-hmm. and uh, Split. James McAvoy yeah. is amazing in that. But uh, I just was uh, very underwhelmed by this, and I just kept thinking the whole thing's like, can't they see the guy on the cliff and stuff like that? It just drew. It just took me out of it because I was just trying to figure out why aren't these connected i i i think
1: i think i i wish it was more playful as in like you could play along but also i wish that i it could have been a little tighter but i still think the last 15 minutes is worth it uh-huh and now we have another guest hi
3: timothy hello you can How call we, me tim hi tim Hi, Mr. We, a, a,
0: intern. Yes. And uh, where are you right now? Where are you located?
3: I am in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, wow. Do, do you need something more specific? No. No,
0: that's, that's fine. That's fine. Well, your movie, Once a Hero, is playing at the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. And this is the final weekend of the showcase. So we wanted you to come on and talk about your movie because you are a native St.
3: Louisan. I am. I am. Sorry, I'm trying to get. Uh, uh, is this being recorded uh, video or are you just hear my It's not. Voice? But
1: we're we are going to take a picture of you. So smile.
3: <laughs> Hold on. Beautiful. Snap. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like I'm trying to get this worked out. No, you're I, right, Tim. I'm, I'm Tim, at it's work. good. I'm at work. So my day job.
0: So you Which have is been
3: what? Yeah i i am a senior sales uh consultant at uh damson honda in huntsville alabama oh wow so i've uh, i've kind of dug in here and and uh while we were finishing up the movie i um i said i need to get a big boy job and and that's what i did
0: we all need big boy jobs yeah well, you- well you have worked on film sets before and I know you were an assistant director for the comedy it's always sunny in Philadelphia so you were in LA for many years.
3: I was there 30 years uh, that's where I met my wife and where we started our family and uh, we just, just uh, she's from Huntsville, so that's why we're here uh-huh. her dad her dad worked at NASA and oh, wow. uh, and we wanted to be closer to Grandma and grandpa.
0: Well, that is a good thing because, you know, being close to parents and grandparents
3: are good. It's good Yeah, thing. and within uh, probably six months, I kind of ran into this group that were uh, working on a film uh, based on a documentary that they had done uh, called Homeless in Huntsville. And they wanted to make a narrative of it. And I came on as an advisor and then I came on as a producer. And when the uh, director dropped out, uh, mm-hmm. I then became the director. Oh, wow.
1: Did you, did you,
3: so this wasn't
1: planned that you became the director. Had you always wanted to direct or did, was it something that you just begrudgingly did?
3: No, 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 no. I, I, uh, as Lynn had mentioned, I had been uh, an assistant director on many productions, mostly as a second assistant, some first assistant, but I was always watching the director when I was uh, by Video Village and always. Taking notes on what to do and occasionally what not to do, and <laughs> uh, and so I decided that um, and and the first film that I directed was actually in the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. It was called Slice of Pie, and which, I, I, which is uh, we gave it a bunch of awards. The St. Yeah. Louis Film Critics
0: Association,
3: right, right. Um, I I remember and thank you, Lynn, for uh, your your. Uh, accolades on that i am uh that was kind of when the you asked me about um if i did it begrudgingly it it was the reverse i when i directed slice of pie and and had such a wonderful experience it was like the heavens opened up and the angels started singing Mm. and i felt like this is what i should have been doing boy i waited till i was 50 to do it but that's okay
0: so this one is once a hero and it involves, tell us about the gentleman uh, uh, whose story this is.
3: Well, it's uh it's, it's not autobiographical, but the, there are some truths to, uh, and some, you know, the, the gentleman that wrote it and acted in it is a real Navy SEAL. Uh, and uh, I don't think he would uh, be upset if I mentioned that he does, you know, um, suffer from PTSD so when he and his um colleagues decided to he it was actually i don't know if st louis has this but it was a leadership um uh, program uh and they different cities have leadership and they they tend to do um philanthropic things well they wanted to bring the this, their project was to bring awareness to the wh- homelessness in huntsville so they went undercover and and shot this this documentary that's about 30 40 minutes long uh and from that they decided that they like i said before that they wanted to do the narrative um and so they decided to create this main character that comes home he's more comfortable at you know in the uh the kind of the battle rather than being home with kind of normalcy that we are locker-ish Yeah. Uh, a, a little hurt locker, a little um American sniper, um, uh, but with nowhere near any of those budgets. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. But we did have a we do have a pretty authentic um war scene that gets clipped in and out of the film every now and again. And we had somebody that was on set that that knew Arabic and uh did some graffiti and it was it was pretty cool. And that was the last, actually the last shots that we shot uh, during principal photography that we shot so it was a pretty cool evening well that oh, it, it, to answer your question Lynn, i'm sorry i you know i'll, I'll go off in uh, tangents if you let me but um generally the uh the film is about a, a a navy seal who comes home um is having trouble with his uh ptsd he self starts to self-medicate then on top of that, some inciting incident happens um, and it sends him off the deep end and he ends up becoming homeless uh, and not able to, to cope. Uh, and then it's his journey kind of moving from that circle of, of redemption and, and finding a way back. And he, it, he gets assistance from an unlikely character that was uh, somebody that he didn't, a brother that he didn't think was going to be part of his life for the rest, you know, rest of his life. So it's kind of a nice story.
0: Well, that's awesome. And you can, because the uh, showcase is virtual this year, the festival, you can, you can go anytime this weekend to watch it. You just go to Eventive and book the film. Is that correct? And then you have 48 hours to watch it.
3: That is correct. Once you actually, um, start the film you have 48 hours to watch it so we're we're on to almost 48 hours to the deadline anyway so it sunday is i think the last time you can watch it so um gather around well, bring bring the family uh uh you know up up to whatever device you can uh, pull it up on and uh and have fun i mean it's it's a heavy movie uh, but i will say that it you know it has some nice acting and uh uh, we we pulled it together on a shoestring, but I, I think we we put a, I would put it up next to a lot more expensive films.
0: Well, that's very cool. I'm so happy to see you return because when I was looking at the list of films, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that you're back. And yeah.
3: uh, uh, the St. Louis question, of course, is where did you go to high school? Yes, I went to Lutheran South, uh, played basketball there and was in plays at the same time. So that was my, and I did that in college too. I uh, went to Tarkio College and was a captain of my basketball team, as well as uh, uh tech director on the shows, as well as uh, I did Romeo in, in, in the production. I was, uh, you know, on the basketball team in Romeo. So I, you went, to,
1: I went to Lutheran South's prom in
3: 1988. Wow. Wow. So, wow. And you you went with uh someone that was
1: someone who uh, went to who went to that school i did not i went to cbc but i did not go to cbc's prom in 1988 i went to lutheran south's prom in 1988. that's cool with a lovely young woman who i don't know what happened to her
3: well maybe 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 she's listening to this and it's kismet (laughs) i don't know hopefully (laughs) Well, uh, you uh, premiered
0: this in Huntsville, but now people, because there's no geographic boundaries, anybody in the U.S. can watch this, which is awesome.
3: That's correct. I mean, we are we we do have an agent that we're keeping track of of uh, views uh, for because, you know, they don't want it to be completely distributed if they're trying to find distributors. Um, but yes, it, we, and technically our screening in Huntsville was a cast and crew, um, uh, screening for friends and family. And that's basically what it is. All the cast and crew came, friends, family. So it wasn't technically a, a, a premiere.
0: Right. A public one. Well, it sounds like it was a big labor of love and I am going to watch it this weekend. You know, in St. Louis, we're having a heat advisory. So
3: yeah
0: is to catch up on everything that you haven't seen yet
3: yes that's great great i i I have a pass to start watching and i think i'm going to try to dig in to some of them uh saturday evening and sunday as well so i can see what everybody's i am going to your competition well well you know i i i love the film community there in st louis they were always very supportive of me and and i i always want to be supportive back and and hopefully I'll be able to bring a production there that has a real budget at some point.
1: And you've seen your film already. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't have to watch that one. And by the way, Lynn, it is not slice of pie. Um, it is it is not the light romantic comedy that that one is. It's it's a little this heavier. Is heavy. Yeah. Ah, yes. I mean, yes, there's, there's some heavy bits. There's some foul language, but outside of that, there's that the fall language would definitely get us an R rating.
1: And the the themes as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 about people struggling with addiction and and um, and their journey through um, redemption on what they couldn't handle before. And what you know, and at any one time, 50,000 veterans are homeless in the country. So that, you know, that's that's a crazy statistic. Um, and we we need to do all we can for the homeless problem already, uh, but but the veterans is is really ridiculous.
0: Yes, it, and I think this is very timely because after I mean we're still in a pandemic, but after the. 18 months that we've had people have had a time to reflect and also it's been particularly hard for a vulnerable population and people with PTSD that would be a vulnerable population so I I think your movie is very timely and I really look forward to uh, catching up with it and I am so happy that we got to talk to you before the end of the fest
3: oh thanks thank you thank you uh it's always good to see you lynn it is i hope i hope you get
0: uh you know they will announce on sunday night what films advance to the saint louis international film festival and i hope that you get that platform
3: too oh thank you thank you yeah we're crossing our fingers on that one
1: well cream rises to the top so i don't think you have any worries
3: oh thanks thanks i mean uh yeah, I'm very, very, very proud of what we've done. Um, I, I would love to have my next film have a budget so that I can, uh, you know, put some, put some more uh, things. But there's a, it is a labor of love, and I just want to go on record and say that there's, it's not just me. There are uh, two dozen people that have put their blood, sweat, and tears into this film, and uh, all of which I appreciate. And I mean, we had probably there was only, we had 15 or 16 shooting days and only five or six characters worked more than one day. So wow. we had about, about 25 different day players, uh, which of course you know that they literally come in, do their scenes and leave. So we had a tremendous amount of uh, organization. Uh, I kind of worked as uh, the producer on it, uh, being an AD. We did have a, uh, an AD that helped us as well. Uh, and I, you know, and all of those folks worked really hard. Well, as somebody who just uh, made
0: her first film a couple uh, years ago, two years ago, it is hard. It, it is. It is. Hard. People have no idea how hard and how exhausting it is.
3: It is. Oh, my gosh. When I worked on Desperate Housewives, I remember 16-hour days were just the normal. And, uh, you know, I, I had a little baby um, and then another one on the way. And, oh, my gosh, it, it's, it was a mess trying to be a dad and come home. I'm just tired. My wife, uh, you know, takes them out of the house so they don't wake me up when I'm trying to sleep on what's called uh-huh. Um, You know, it's one of those um you know things that you start your day at one o'clock on the friday and you end up not getting off until one o'clock right. the next day so mm-hmm. it's a it's a mess it's a mess so anyway it's a pleasure meeting you carl and uh also lynn great seeing you i wish we could go there actually brett the other producer and director i mean the uh producer and writer and actor he was planning on coming up when it was a uh, a uh, thing but since we're having to go virtual again he's not coming up
0: yeah the uh, they were hoping to have a little hybrid but now missouri as you know has really in, uh, we're a hot spot in uh, escalating yeah vaccin-
3: i'll just say cases. go out there and get your uh, vaccinations y'all go out <laughs> there and get it don't well, make Jim it political think- it's not political <laughs> Thank you for taking time
0: out of your day to talk to us. We appreciate it.
3: And sure, uh, sure, sure.
0: Carl always asks this to everybody. So, Carl, ask your question to well, all of In the last
1: 18 months, what shows have you watched that have gotten you through and that you would recommend to people? It could be a show, it can be a movie, it can be a book, it can be a person. Go ahead.
3: Boy, you know what? I watch news and the last 18 months has been very up and down with all the stuff that's going on i won't i won't get political because i don't think that serves anything but i've watched a lot of shows like variety shows that are the the guys that make you laugh they tell you the what's craziness about what's going on in the world but they make it so colbert um john
2: uh, oh my gosh
3: John Oliver uh, John, J- John Oliver um Trevor to yeah I listen to all those guys and I just pop around from one to the other and some of them are doing pretty good and I listen to their you know everybody was quarantined so I think they you know they brought a lot of cheer uh, to us so I, that those are the things I, I I've been really focusing also on selling cars yeah and doing <laughs> a lot of stuff of that so
1: it's it's that, hard it's it's you can't get new cars in right
3: now because of the chips. That's right. And uh, we, we are fortunate enough, we're a big, big enough Honda dealership that we have a pretty good inventory still. And it, it is a battle. We're, we're selling cars for uh, a chunk of money more than what we usually do because we need to preserve the, the dealership. And, and, you know, less cars means, you know, we have to sell them at, at a higher price. So
0: Right. Supply well, and demand. I- a very loyal it? honda person for years and years and years and years and uh, one thing about the honda is there's very loyal customers and they last a
3: whole long time that's right i get that all the time The people come into service and they're coming through the the, the showroom and i'm like hey can you need some help no no i'm just getting a, my oil changed on my uh pilot's got 246,000 miles on it uh-huh. and I'm, I'm, I'm good to go you know, okay, I'll see you later. You know, it's one of those things. Nice, but uh, but, well, but go, but, go yeah. out there and
1: keep the, keep America running.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll try. All right, Carl. All right, ladies. Take Tim. good care.
1: Take care. God bless,
3: you. God bless you.
1: Take care. Bye. So, Thanks. Lynn. Now we're gonna move on to the. Sh- he was great. I like him. Um, let's move on to the documentary that you have been telling people about for the last four days the val kilmer documentary
0: yes it is so surprising because i will be honest uh, he wasn't in my top 10 favorite actors i mean i have enjoyed his later work let's put it like that because i really like kiss kiss bang bang and of course heat and the more indie type of movies but he started out he has 40 years of home movies he and his brothers when they were kids would film all these home movies and he kept everything he is a pack rat and well, you know
1: i liked him his breakout role was top secret and that was that was really funny i thought that was oh. uh abram zucker and zucker and that was they had just come off the high of doing airplane in 1984 and i love that i thought I still remember the Pinto joke from Top Secret and the Skeet Surfing USA, I like, that's great. So his early stuff is good too. And then he goes on to Real Genius and then Top Gun and Willow, and then The Doors.
0: I know, he did have, he has had a a Great start. And he has had so many ups and downs and he was labeled difficult, but what this movie does, I have this new appreciation for him. And it is has so many nuggets of information that you are so surprised at learning. For instance, he was the youngest person to get in the Juilliard School of Drama. Really? Who, who knew? And then he has got a very philosophical bent now because he has battled throat cancer the last couple of years, which right. he is feet but it has ravaged his body and he has to speak he has a tracheostomy which uh, he has he has to plug in the oxygen hole to talk and it's very gravelly as you know people that have had cancer do mm-hmm. and then he um uh so his son jack narrates the film which adds this whole layer of pregnancy. and Val Kilmer wrote a memoir called I'll Be Your Huckleberry and it, it came out last year which I didn't even know about and so a lot of the narration is this philosophical take on life and and also just about his career so because he went to Juilliard he wanted to be this stage actor he wanted He was all about the work and creating characters. And so this label of difficult that he uh, got on sets where he tussled with directors and stuff because he just wanted the film to be the best possible film. And in those big budget movie by committees that not necessarily happens. And he really goes into detail about the horrible experiences of being Batman and Batman forever where the suit is really the character and he couldn't hear and he couldn't bond with anybody and and that and then he had the island of Dr. Moreau because Brando was one of his heroes, but they brought in John Frankenheimer to complete this troubled movie that was way delayed and over budget and he just had a fit. And so he and Frankenheim were tussled, but they have Robert Downey Jr. who worked with him on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang saying he is not typical old. But what's interesting about his early career when he's uh, out of Juilliard, he stars on Broadway with Sean Penn and hmm. Kevin. Bacon in a play called Slab Boys. And so it shows them behind the scenes. And it's so 80s, like the Top Gun parts where he's partying with all the the actors. He and Kelly McGillis went to Juilliard together. Who knew? And uh, it shows them in those 80s clothes and the 80s hair. And it's just hilarious. But he is a loving dad. He has two children, Mercedes and Jack by his ex-wife Joanne Whaley and he talks very candidly that's one of the things about this film is he is very candid about his struggles and when he was playing Jim Morrison in The Doors for about a year he immersed himself in that character which as he says made his wife's life a living hell oh yeah I'm sure So he's very honest about their breakup and you can tell she was the great love of his life. They met on the set of Willow, but he actually had been a big fan of hers on the London stage. And so uh, that goes into detail. It shows him now going to Comic-Con and signing autographs. He said in every airport in America, Every pilot, or even, I guess, in Europe, every airport he's ever in, a pilot calls him Iceman.
1: Yeah, from Top Gun. And he's going to be in the Top Gun Maverick. Everyone thinks that he's going to be the funeral that they show in the trailer.
0: Well, when uh, uh, he at, he's at Comic-Con, and people, he's very appreciative of his fans. He doesn't act like he's superior or above them. I mean, he's very appreciative of how many fans, uh, compliment him and, and, uh, uh, he's always writing, will you be my wingman (laughs) on these (laughs) (laughs) posts? So he goes to a screening of Tombstone in Texas. And he, uh, talks about basically as an actor, you have to relive your past glories in order to still be relevant and still make a living. And uh he has a really interesting family history too. Like his dad bought Roy Rogers ranch when he was a kid. And Where? so his brothers grew up in uh on this on Roy Rogers ranch making little home movies. And so it's just so fascinating. All these nuggets of information and his life then and now and Tombstone is arguably one of his. Uh, the best performances, and it shows he and Kurt Russell behind the scenes. And uh, they obviously had great affection and respect for each other because mm-hmm. Russell was uh Wyatt Earp, right? And 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 Val was uh Doc Holliday. He still has his killer smile, he still has that beautiful smile. But his you know, age, he's in his early 60s now, 61. So it's just fascinating. And it starts in theaters today, July 23rd. However, it is going to start on Amazon Prime video on August 6th. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it then. It did premiere at Cannes and it has gotten rave reviews. Excellent. I'm going to wait till it comes
1: out on uh, Amazon Prime because I, I want to see it. And I almost talked about it on the radio today, but I didn't see it. But I did tell people about it. All right, now let's talk about a, a, another weird little movie. It's called Midnight in the Switchgrass, which I thought, let me just say, I couldn't recommend this to people because the sound is horrible. <laughs>
0: well it is pretty bad but what i think is the most egregious thing on this film is, is... That they have bruce
1: willis above the
0: headline or he's yeah. he's top yeah. lining the film and is only in it for five minutes yes and his character is inconsequential he plays the fbi superior and partner with megan fox who plays the real life Rebecca Lombardo, this who, is based on a true story, but they move right. it from
1: Texas to Florida for some unknown reason.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It takes place in 2004 in Pensacola, and uh, they are FBI agents who are trying to break up, infiltrate, a sex,
1: sex- trafficking ring,
0: and her now boyfriend, who she met on the set, Coulson Baker, aka Machine Gun Kelly. MJK. Uh, yeah. MGK. Play, Machine Gun Kelly. Plays an abusive pimp named Kelvin. And he's that's only a-
1: in it for two scenes.
0: Yeah. Uncredited, actually. And no, no.
1: So- he's, in, he's in the credits he, as oh. Colson Baker, not as Machine Gun Kelly. Right. And he, so- when he I liked him when he played in the Motley Crue movie, The Dirt, he was uh, I think it was Tommy Lee, but he was really I liked him in that. And I also liked the I also like the Motley Crue movie, but he has been really good in that. And I thought, you know, that he would be, you know, great in this role. But then he's not. he, Yeah, he was Tommy Lee. He's not barely. He's barely in the movie. Yes, yeah, like Bruce Willis is barely in the movie. This movie here. And let's let's run it down. Megan Fox is in it the most, followed by Emil Hirsch, and then Luke, Lucas Haas and then Bruce Willis, and then Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Is, and those are the only f- basically five people in the movie. Well, no, well, they're, they're
0: the other girl. Sylvester Stallone's daughter, Sistine, plays the sister of a missing girl. Tracy is played by uh, Caitlin Carmichael, and she's actually very good in her harrowing scene where she's in shackles and she is kept by this guy. Okay, the real serial killer, the truck stop killer was named Robert Ben Rhodes. And he was a long haul trucker in Texas, a very uh, sadistic pervert Mm -hmm. and he lives a double life. Lucas Haas, the little boy from witness has grown up. In fact, he and Bruce Willis and Emile Hirsch made a movie called alpha dog together back in 2006, but he doesn't interact with any of these people because Emil Hirsch, who's actually very good, I thought, as this Florida lawman who's very dedicated to finding the serial killer. But these girls are like what what Megan Fox calls the invisibles. They're prostitutes, they're runaways, they're hitchhikers. And so when their bodies are found, nobody's really caring, but Emil Hirsch cares about getting this, capturing this guy. So he and Megan Fox do this rogue sting that goes horribly wrong, but Lucas Haas is living with his young daughter and wife out in a remote uh, location amid the switchgrass, and uh, they... Uh, He is online as Big Rig Glory, and that's how he uh, hooks up with Megan Fox. And so they find out because, you know, they're hot on this trail. But the uh, wrap up of this, because he killed multiple people. If you look this guy up, it's really disgusting. Oh, it's he raped and tortured women for a couple weeks before he killed them. So he has them. So this shed on his property is where he keeps, you know, the the girls, and it's just disgusting. But anyway, there are a little few nuggets. But the director is a first time director, although he's a long time producer. His name he, is Ray- he produced the and, Irishman. He had a lot to do with God. the Irishman and Silence too scorsese so he's worked with scorsese and then a first time screenwriter alan horsenail and they fritter away this movie because it has nuggets of a great story but they kind of bury this story and they it's so choppy in its execution and then the finale which you should be on the edge of your seat about is just kind of like abrupt it's like okay here
3: and it's only an hour and a
0: half long it's not that
1: long and it's not that good i I wanted i actually i was going to give it a pass and then i'm like no it, it, it just because it's short doesn't mean that it's going to it's so many things that are not true in this that it's just they should they don't it's so far off of the real story it, they don't even say anywhere based on a true story bruce willis should not be on the poster emile hirsch is the male lead uh, and you know what you were right caitlin carmichael she has probably more line more screen time than bruce willis does even though she doesn't say anything
0: no she just is this terrified well, young she's she's girl. tied
1: up and gagged and it's gross. Yeah. D- d- um, it's it's not well reviewed the sound is horrible you can't understand anything that they're saying and I I even put on headphones so I could listen to parts of the movie and rewound it to try to understand what they were saying I, I imagine seeing it in the theater would be horrible experience
0: yeah well uh, this is how uh, much the the people the studio has faith in it it is in theaters today limit theaters limited mm-hmm. theater but it is also on video on demand. So it's the same day video on demand. And I recommend not. (laughs) Well,
1: here's a movie that you can recommend that is also based on a true story. And I did not get to see this. And I know you don't want to say a lot about it, but talk about Joe Bell.
0: Oh yeah. Um, This is going to be spoiler free because I think the less you know about this movie, the better it is. Kent, uh, had me take out some things in my review. He thought I revealed too much. And well, it's he's, based on
1: a true story. And if you're aware of Joe Bell, you know what the story basically is about.
0: Right. It's uh, 2013. Um, uh, a 15-year-old teen who is gay is bullied in a small town of, of La Grande, Arkansas. a La Grande Oregon and his dad Joe Bell who's played excellently by Mark Wahlberg is this wait hold on
1: did you did you just say played excellently by Mark Wahlberg
0: I know he's actually
1: very good in this. okay go ahead I I I just wanted to get I was not doubting you uh, because he has done some very fine work but I just want to make sure that you're you you're saying it correctly
0: yeah, he's, he's, good. he's placed the real Joe Bell. He's actually one of the producers. And so is Jake Gyllenhaal. How about and, and, that? and it's written by Larry McMurtry. And uh, Diane Osana, and they both won Oscars for Brokeback Mountain adaptation. And Larry McMurtry, one of my, the last picture show, Terms of Endearment, Lonesome Dove, and he died earlier this year. So they're very sensitive. They have a lot of flashbacks. So they are living in this small town and the dad is very gruff and he doesn't, pay attention to what his son really needs and the son's trying to talk to him and tell him hey i'm being persecuted at school um gay and the dad doesn't really understand it he's not he loves his son but he's not exactly accepting of this he is worried about what are other people gonna think you know that's his focus and hey, then, joe and it's through- not
1: about you
0: right and so that's the focus of the movie hey it's not about you well he decides he's going to walk across the country to raise awareness on tolerance and bullying and his wife is played by connie Britton. this is a joe bell is a deeply flawed man and he has issues in his marriage and that'll be brought out and then uh uh, he goes along the way like he meets drag queens and he talks to drag queens and he becomes more acceptance as he's a trying
1: to learn.
0: Right, he tells uh, these small town people that tolerance begins at home. It's a noble. Uh, Message now because LGBTQ rights have advanced a long way since 2013, people are like, "Well, why do you need this movie?" But it's it's one person's story, mm-hmm. and it's very authentic. It's emotional. It's uh, heartfelt. The breakout star here is Reed Miller as Jaden, the 15 year old gay son, and he has written this essay about. uh, people don't accept you for who you are but you can't change who you are so you can't change why they hate you and so it's full of little nuggets like that and then Gary Sinise is a small town sheriff who's who bonds with Joe Bell because his son is also gay and so it's these two macho dudes learning to accept their gay sons which Hmm. which is is nice it's a typical road movie where you see the highways and byways of America. Uh, they have um, actually a, a pretty good music by this Brazilian composer Antonio Pinto and uh, over the closing credits you hear Brandy Carlisle's the joke. Hmm. I like uh, Brandy Carlisle she's got a new I, single out. I know I heard about that, so I think it's I think it's well done i think um it will uh it has a big emotional wallop mm-hmm. and, and if if you want to find out about this and are going to see this movie,
1: do not Wikipedia because you'll be spoiled and it will be less impactful
0: right. I think the enjoyment of the film is the less you know, the better it is because Kent got dinged by a reader for revealing that black widow died <laughs> what
1: <laughs>
0: that okay that happened two years ago i know so kent was like lynn do you think you should put this in your review because i'm just saying a reader uh was upset with me because i revealed that black widow died <laughs> okay so, yeah so well, you know spoiler free and you know
1: what i i need to i need to say something because Larry McMurtry did write this, but he also wrote this with his writing partner, Diana Osana, because, you know, they've been writing partners for a while and he gets all the credit and she's always the oh yeah she did it too, so I want to make sure that I'm not doing that, so I just I I was remiss that I did not mention her and I want to make sure that I do,
0: because she's from St Louis. Well, I didn't know she is from St. Louis, but I did mention her because yeah, they wrote Brokeback Mountain. So I think they handle the material very sensitively. I think uh, it's, uh, I think that they do a really good job with it. And uh, I recommend it. It is only in theaters right now. Mm -hmm. I imagine. It's going to have a short window in theaters and it will become available video on demand where I expect it to do very well. But uh, Reed Miller is a newcomer. And so this is his breakout role and he is one to watch.
1: All right. Reed Miller playing Jaden Bell in Joe Bell. All right, Lynn. Next week we have, well, we have Jungle Cruise. Based on a (laughs) <laughs> based on a ride and we're all, next week we also have a Stillwater still water next week yes okay. yes that, that's gonna that is gonna, it's gonna be an interest hopefully one sad one not so sad so hopefully it's gonna be a good week
0: and the green knight which is another retelling of the king arthur legend by david Lowry, who did a ghost story which i really like or maybe is it just ghost story and uh, he did Ain't Them, Bob, Ain't Them Body Saints. Well, so. and also,
1: here's, here's, here's what's going on. There are three, we had a lot of movies this week. Next week is three. but The Muni is opening up on Monday, and the Olympics are going on. So instead of, like, the 10 movies that are coming out this weekend, next weekend is not so busy because people are going to be watching gym, gymnastics
2: starting tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I got to look, if you need to look up the schedule, go to TV Guide online, and they'll give you the complete schedule of where you can watch certain things, you know. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, Carl, locally, we have a couple theater productions that are ending their run. Joe Hanrahan's now playing third base for the St. Louis Cardinals Bond. James Bond is in its final weekend, and it does have a Sunday matinee at 2 Mm
1: p.m. So,
0: uh, it's worth it's worth getting into a cool confines to yes. see it and then uh we had Degarmos garmos
1: coming back to stages to do patsy klein again
0: i know i saw her and ace in a really terrible production of greece <laughs> i'm sorry yeah. to hear that yes but she was also with the fox and joseph and the amazing technicolor dreamcoat so she's done quite a, a lot of theater since she was on American Idol. Yes. I, I I liked her on I liked her on American Idol. Yeah, wasn't she the runner-up in season three, the Fantasia? Was that her season? Um of- she
1: was runner-up. Yeah, she was runner-up. It was Fantasia. Season three.
0: you you're, you're right
1: about all of that
0: yeah early on yeah went back when I used to watch it religiously and even vote (laughs) back in those those. so Carl what else is going on anything
1: uh nothing I've been doing morning drive for the last couple weeks and it is uh getting me going to bed earlier and earlier because I'm not a young man anymore I've been doing morning drive for a long time and so so what happens is I go to bed around nine o'clock so and that that still only gets me six hours of sleep because I have to wake up at three.
0: Well, I was gonna say the muni night will be long. And yes, so there it will. Uh, it's, gonna,
1: it's gonna be fine.
0: Yeah, a lot of coffee, a lot of caffeine. Well,
1: if you if I prepare for it, everything will be fine. That means I need to take a nap earlier in the day. Lynn, where can they find you on the socials?
0: I am on all of them, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and I um, have my own website, poplifestl.com, and you can find our podcast, poplifestl.com presents all at several places uh, we have our own facebook page we are on my website and we are on on stl.com website as well and in the soundcloud and on apple and next week i well i'm always on ktrs every thursday night after the 10 p.m news with ray hartman doing miller furniture presents lynn venhouse goes to the movies but this week After the opening night at the Muni on Tuesday morning, 1035 a.m., I will be talking about Smokey Joe's Cafe. I will give a review with Jennifer Blome and Wendy Weiss on KTRS. So I'm very excited about that. And I hope that becomes a regular thing. So tune into my Muni review. And Carl, uh, I guess I'll see you at the Muni. And you can be also found at Max on the Movies on KTRS. Yes, you can find me at underscore
1: Carl the Intern on Instagram and Twitter. Because you know, this week I actually posted on both of those when a giant St. Louis tree branch fell on top or directly right near my wife's car. So that was fantastic. So I posted. You can see, and the city. Hey, once I talked about it on the Mark Cox Morning Show, it was cleared that day. So I'm giving the St. Louis uh, Forestry Department major props by getting rid of it within 24
0: hours so
1: thank you for that uh, well and i've been on the marcox morning show for the last couple of weeks and i'll be there again next week
0: and i did i did mention my colleague kent tensert at the webster kirkwood times but um i'm in there every friday with yeah. reviews. i have yeah i have reviews so uh carl you and i live in the st louis hills area and it's very forested and we have seen mm-hmm. a lot of
1: branches being cleared Trees everywhere. Trees everywhere. Some of them have been here longer than uh, most people have been alive, and some of them should probably go now. <laughs> All right, Lynn. I hope you have a good weekend. Stay, stay, stay safe, and
0: uh,
1: watch some Olympics. Watch, watch our country.
0: Yes, and a St. Louis filmmaker showcase, and uh, I will meet you at the Muni on Monday night. I'll and I'll meet I- you at the Muni. Yeah, and I'll be standing in line for my strawberry sorbet and admission. So come see hi if you see us. So long, everybody. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Keep Bye. cool. Bye.